you do the pleasure. Hi there. I want to talk to you about ducks. No thanks. What if I don't want to go. I'll go where it's right. All right. Now that's a good idea. Okay, let's go. Give me that door. Welcome to the Cult Film Companion Podcast, the home of movies that are off, under, and ahead of the cinematic radar. This week, I have a very special guest, Mark, from Visually Stunning Movies, to discuss a cult sci-fi horror movie. But before we get into that, before I properly introduce him, just want to remind everyone that we are a proud member of the Blind Knowledge Collective, your one-site stop for all creative Video cast, podcast from around the world. Try us out today, www.blindknowledge.com. We are show a featured podcast on Newsly. Newsly is an audio app for iOS and Android that follows trending topics from around the world and then finds the latest articles for you and then reads them to you in a natural human voice. For the first time in the history of the entire web, the entire internet becomes listenable. Download and use Newsly for free today, www.newsly.me. And please use the promo code COA. L-T-F-1-L-M, cult film, drop the I, pop in a one, and uh, enjoy a month free of Newsly's premium service on us. And like I said, I'd like to welcome Mark back. Mark, welcome back to the Cult Film Companion Podcast. Thank you very much, Chris. It is good to be back. We had fun last time. I, I think it's going to be a good time, uh, good time this time as well. Absolutely. Yeah, we had a blast talking all things Evil Dead. And uh, I guess it's kind of um, uh, just refresh uh, people on your your the visually stunning movie podcast. Just refresh their uh, memories about it. Uh, the Visually Stunning Movie Podcast. Uh, you can listen to us. We talk about mo- mostly new movies. Occasionally we hit some old stuff. Uh, but uh, you can find it. Go to our website, uh, vsmoviepodcast.com, uh, or you can stream us wherever you stream your podcast. It does not matter. iTunes, Google, Spotify, yada, yada, yada. And we have a YouTube channel for those episodes that actually make video. Uh, nice. And, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at vsmoviepodcast. That would be great. Uh, and yeah, I'm I'm stoked. We're gonna talk. We talked about a, a cult horror. I'm I'm stoked to talk cult sci-fi. I love sci-fi. Sci-fi is my favorite. Is it really? Yes. Right. And Al, quick quick aside though. Yes. Uh, since we spoke about Evil Dead, Evil Dead the game has come out, and it's 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 behind me by my PS4, and I suck at it because I suck at video games. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I bought it anyway because it's Evil Dead. So. I've heard nothing but good things about the evil. Oh, no, it looks it's I, I can appreciate what it is, even though I suck at it. Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> my the video games have eclipsed me. I was uh, I was good at about Super Mario three on uh, the regular old school NES. And that was that was about where I peaked as far as video games goes. Yeah. But, yeah. So we're talking a cult sci fi. Well, cult sci fi, I guess, horror movie. Uh a little movie from Paul W.S. Anderson that came out 
August 22nd, 1997, we are talking about Event Horizon, which stars Sam Neill and Lawrence Fishburne as astronauts, voyagers in space that uh, are on the Lewis and Clark, but come across this this ship, the Event Horizon, which was designed by Sam Neill, that can apparently fly faster than the speed of light, but doesn't really. They try to explain it. Uh, it's a lot of kind of technical stuff that... Um, but, I, I mean, this is not... This is a movie that I... I I'm not surprised has a cult following just given the nature of of horror movies and sci-fi movies and sci-fi horror uh, particularly because this one I would say the most unique thing because I would say that this movie relies heavily on the stuff that's come on from the past but also I want to talk about some of the stuff that it's influenced in the future but this is a kind of a unique thing that as far as I know off the top of my head and from the brief amount of research I did we're not talking about a franchise series which is it's a one-off horror movie which I mean for the 90s was was rare and it's even rarer today that you would think that I mean just the way things are going with with horror and sci-fi um studios are kind of uh they're kind of amped up about it but what was your introduction to to Event Horizon. Do you remember the first time that you saw it, came across it? Uh, it, it, was, I, it was after it came out in theaters. Um, I Again, there was a dead period in my theater-going experience uh, where I just didn't go to theaters. So I'm, I'm sure I caught it on on some... I, I, I can't say streaming service, some premium channel because <laughs> uh, I'm old. Um, but, you know, but, but I had seen it and then I had seen seen it again you know in, in bits and pieces you know you flip by it you know for the last 45 minutes if you're waiting for something else to start or something but I, I ironically I had watched this um, completely on purpose about a week before we decided to talk about it wow I yeah, so it was crazy that you're like you want to talk about this I was like I, I literally just watched it uh, so uh, yeah so it, it is it's but you know sci, there weren't a lot of sci-fi franchises either True. I mean, True. Star Wars was in, you know, it had we had been back through the sequel trilogy um, by then, or we were in the middle of, of the prequel trilogy. Um, but, you know, Star Trek had kind of died out, but there were no, I mean, but that was it. If it wasn't Star Wars or Star Trek, there weren't other sci-fi franchises. And, you know, horror, you know, really had kind of run itself out for a while there too, between your Friday the 13th and your Nightmares and your Jasons and uh, you know, and, and all of those and Halloween's. And so this, yeah, it, it is this weird one off space based horror film that, you know, you can see things that in that inspired it, but not as a sci fi horror. You know, there are aspects of the sci fi that you're like, oh, you know, the ship design is kind of reminiscent of Discovery from 2001. Uh, you know, the the survive the dark and gloomy ship is, you know, very it's it, it that all goes back to alien. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, but in this one, of course, like in all the best horror films, the, the biggest monster is man. Right. Uh, so that's what we get 
in in this um now we you know we can talk later about what came after it but you know there was no sequel there was no event horizon 2 which is a good thing this doesn't <laughs> need a sequel no um but it did kind of inspire some other material moving forward so but yeah i mean let's let's not shortchange you know you hit sam neil and and lawrence fishburne let's i mean let's not shortchange the rest of this cast kathleen Quinlan, jolie richardson richard t jones jason isaacs sean pertwee i mean i'm sorry man that's that's just a solid cast from top to bottom it really, it really, really is. They kind of surprised me. Uh, I, I remember, like you said, I, I, I just mentioned the two biggest names, Sam yeah. Neill and Lawrence Fishburne. But it is a very solid cast. And if there's one thing that I can't fault this movie on is the acting throughout. It goes a little over the top at times. It gets a little goofy. But it's pretty solid. It's pretty consistent throughout um, but you mentioned a couple movies, and I was I was I watched the movie, and then I started listening to the um, the commentary track, and you know this came about because uh, Paul Anderson was coming off the su- um, surprise success of Mortal Kombat, and they were giving him a whole bunch of scripts, and what he didn't want to do was he didn't want to do another PG-13 action movie. He wanted to do a hard R kind of movie, and he got this script from the screenwriter's name is Philip Eisner, who, as far as I can tell, has not written much else. If anything, nothing memorable, but this is kind of his claim to fame, was this original script that does owe a lot to Alien, but he said that the biggest influences uh, on this movie were 2001 A Space Odyssey, The Shining, The Haunting, and Alien. He kind of wanted to make a haunted house movie in space. And I turned off the commentary because it quickly turned into very dude bro material instead of like kind of commenting they're like well that was a really good line delivery by so-and-so plus she's hot and i'm like oh geez i'm like that's that's i mean (laughs) that's not why i wanted to listen to i like to listen to an interesting commentary because i kind of want to get some of the behind the scenes stuff um but yeah i and another thing that made me really want to turn off the commentary was uh they go this original script was and this is just a sign of the times from when you know when this movie was made they go the original script was was really really tight but we didn't think there were enough jump scares in this movie so a lot of the un unnecessary uh jump scares you can credit uh to, to paul ws anderson so um well he did go on to make resident evil 1 through 36 <laughs> And, uh, you know, which I mean, that's weird because, you know, he also made well, he made Alien versus Predator. He did directed it. Um, Yeah. I'm just looking at it. And, you know, but then he turned around and he made uh, an adaptation of the Three Musketeers. So somehow that fell in there. Uh, But but no. So but, you know, he's he's lived. He 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 understands how to make a horror movie. He does a scary movie. Sorry. A monster movie. 
Right. So let's let's clarify. There are horror movies that are monster movies. This this is a monster movie, and that's okay as long right. as we're clear about what we're talking about. Uh, but yeah, I could see where that that discussion would get tiresome. Yeah, it got that's real. Good. It got real tiresome real quick. Um, I mean, I've uh, I've endured some some pretty brutal commentaries throughout the course of my show but this was one I was just like I don't think I'm going to get a whole lot out of these two <laughs> you know yeah. uh, but I think it's very interesting to me um, that the whole concept of this movie is that Sam Neill has created this this ship that can actually go beyond the stars and it's very interesting to me that the whole concept of hell being in space because I mean since the whole biblical we think of the biblical sense that we think of hell as being beneath us and hell being you know the the underworld or something I think it's kind of unique to think of that hell might be in outer space because you know we, we kind of I mean if you're re- depending on your religion or your spirituality you kind of associate heaven and above with with you know up there, up in space, up in the sky, not so much where hell is. So I think that that's an interesting concept that this movie has going for it. Um, but I think it's it's interesting to me just how kind of um, it could this movie could very easily have become an alien ripoff especially the whole first act of this movie is very reminiscent of the first alien movie oh yeah of just you know different cryogenic chambers and a crew coming out and a distress and a distress signal so i i do respect the fact that this movie does its own thing you know because it could have very easily become alien just like but a mix of hell, a bad, yeah, a bad version. Uh, yeah, I, I, you're right. It is interesting that hell, it hell's not necessarily in space though. Uh, in mm. this, it's it's because of the, the the drive that Sam Neill invented for this. It's it it creates a singularity, a wormhole, you know, and folds space time. So even though you know he illustrates it by folding the naked centerfold picture <laughs> together yes. and punching a hole in it and then laying it back flat out there's still a transit sure and, and hell exists right there between you know between here and there no matter how close they are there's something there's an other place and that other place is where where the ship winds up and and where uh and where it turns out that that hell is and you know of course you know any any good exorcist will tell you that uh, once you open the door something's coming through Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and, and and they you know the ship had been been gone for I think seven years or six or seven years or something like that. Yeah. So it had been there, and then it just magically reappeared, and that's when they got the distress signal to go and go and find it. So you know it had been there a while, uh, and if you've ever had a house guest, you know they're never really gone. No. So, no. Uh, but yeah, that's <laughs> the the hell aspect. The, the the more supernatural aspect of it is what differentiates it from from alien like i said because the the monster is within the mm. monster is always within uh as opposed to alien where the monster is literally a monster uh, right. so 
and there are some very interesting kind of things where this this the ship it's you know at one point they they refer to it as living it's actually um, reacting to the people on the ship and it feeds off their individual fears and it's manipulating them and making them see things that aren't really there and which leads to some very um some pretty gnarly deaths i would say and it's interesting to me that i mean the original cut of this movie was an hour and 40 minutes that seems way too long for this material <laughs> well I, it's only it's only an hour 36 yeah so they so didn't, you they didn't uh, cut much no I'm sorry, 130 minutes. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm that is 130 minutes. 130 minutes is that's my god. That that must have been a bloodbath. Yeah, and some of the scenes. Uh, you have to. Uh, I'm coming off either a bad cold or COVID, so my mind's a little. Blah, 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 blah. But yeah, it's a, it was a, the original cut was 130 minutes. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, it, a, a lot was cut from this and. Uh, a lot of it was apparently what is shown in some of the montages towards the end of this movie is some kind of rapid fire um, editing to show a lot of blood and gore and this kind of weird, they call it like a blood orgy where there was a lot of um, just, just some gnarly graphic violence and different... Um, there's been different editions of this movie being released and you can kind of see some of the stuff that was cut out and there were some scenes that were supposed to have some more character building um but i mean the biggest thing that happened with this movie was this movie was extremely rushed uh, paramount basically greenlit this movie because the producer said that they could get it released by a certain date which was 10 months from principal photography starting to final edit 10 months to produce a movie like this uh, yeah, it was green crazy. yeah it was greenlit 10 weeks before principal photography started and I will say some, I mean, it's very, the special effects in this can be very hit or miss. Although I have to, I do like the fact that it's, there's a lot of model work in this. Mm -hmm. To me, I'll take so-so model work over like really bad CGI any day, just because there just seems to be, at least there was some effort there. There was like some human effort. Like some person actually put this model together with right. their own hands rather than some computer kind of kind of stuff. But I think the downfall of this movie was that it was just it was just rushed, 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 rushed. And Paramount said, Well, we need a big movie for the summer because we have Titanic coming out in September or August. So we need this we need this move. We need us we have this slot and we you know, we'll green light it for you. Because this movie had a sixty million dollar budget. 
And at the time, that's pretty sizable. Yeah. And it, it ended up grossing about $42 million at the box office. So, you know, it didn't even recoup its budget. But what were some of the aspects to you that, you know, I, I like the fact that you say that, you, you know, the worst thing you could say about a movie is that it's visually stunning. If that's the first thing that comes out of your mouth, then... Um, yeah, that's that. Yeah, thank thank you for that. Uh, so yeah, that's 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 the joke of our name. It's because it, you know if if the first blurb you see about a movie is that it's visually stunning, that's what they're leaning on, and that means there's normally not anything behind it. Uh, you can have a good movie that happens to be visually stunning, but oftentimes it's the other way around. Uh, this one though, um, I like it's dark. I like I like the production design. I like the look of everything in this, in this, you know, the, that long central corridor that, you know, gives us the look of, like I said, of, of, of the Odyssey from, or the discovery from 2001. Uh, you know, I love the, the cheese grater, uh, but you know, that magnetically seals off the engine room where the, the, the hell engine lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love the, I love the the shape of the bridge and all those windows and then the 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 set decoration with all the blood and the guts that are just everywhere. Um I love that for something that was rushed, they actually it, it looks like someone put a lot of effort into designing it and just making it creepy as hell. Yeah. Uh and and so that's what I, you know, and then of course you get to watch all these actors, you know, Sam Neill goes full full dark. <laughs> uh, you know, Lawrence Fishburne is Lawrence Fishburne. Kathleen Quinlan is hysterical. Um, and I don't mean hysterically funny. I mean, hysterical, you know, uh, Jolie Richardson is trying to, to play, you know, like the straight, straight second banana, uh, to, to Lawrence Fishburne, you know, and then you get the comic relief and the kid and, and whatnot, uh, you get the disgruntled energy. I mean, but that all works, but, but they, he, they set the, you know, they set it in this, this place that just looks exactly like it should to have them in this situation. And that's my favorite part is just the, just you, you walk in and you look at it and you're like, yeah, I, if, if that ship wasn't possessed by hell, it would still creep me out. Yeah. Um, that they, they, they spent a lot of time and a lot of money designing a practical two, two story set to make this as realistic as possible. So that is something I absolutely have to commend, um, because because of the rush schedule, they said that they had nobody nobody wanted like no production design team wanted any part of this. They're like, they said this is what we need. This is the amount of money we have, but this is the short amount of time that we have. And everyone was like, nope, not even gonna like bother. They finally found somebody to do it. But yes, I mean the, aesthetically, the ship. I even like. I mean, I remember, like, even at first, it it always makes me laugh that Lawrence Fishburne's captain seat is just so ridiculous. It's like, it, it reminds me of something you put a baby in, like one of those baby bouncer right. things that hangs from all, the ceiling. All the ceiling hanging seats. Yeah. So, I mean, I but, like, it's Lawrence Fishburne, though. So, like, you're not going to laugh at him because, like, nope. he's just... And I forget how good good sam neil is in horror movies sometimes i mean yeah i need i need to go back and rewatch in the mouth of madness it's brilliant it's and, so and good. At, from what i remember i don't actually think i ever watched the whole thing 
And it's just one of those that I keep going, Oh, I got to get back and watch that. I got to get back and watch that. And I just can't fit it into the schedule, unfortunately, but it's, yeah, you can see, uh, the dark. He, he does play that very, you know, yeah. The kids and kids now they're used to seeing Dr. Grant, you know, talking about dinosaurs. Right. Uh, but no, that is not, (laughs) that's not what he has always done. Uh, let's not forget. He played the antichrist. I was going to say he played Damien was the omen three, right? Uh, Yeah. I think so. He runs for president. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's, there's a darkness and he's good at it. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, In the Mouth of Madness is one of those movies, I don't know for whatever reason, it's not easy to find. It either. is not. If you're trying to get a... I had a physical copy at one time, and I kind of kicked myself because it's one of those movies that I, I, I've I lost, and now that when I go to try to find it, I'm waiting for Shout Factory or somebody to do like a decent re-release of that because that's, that's one of those 90s because I hate to say because he's one of my I, I do love him as a director John Carpenter hit a weird wall in the 90s and uh, uh, yeah he's he released some real eh, Village of the Damned I was just not a fan of but going back and rewatching In the Mouth of Madness is it's just great it's very meta um, just about horror writers in general and everything, but yeah, Sam Neill gives a hell of a performance, and he's really good. He's really menacing in here too. Plus, this poor guy's tormented. He's like haunted by his wife's suicide, which was not a thing that I had remembered until recently rewatching it. So he's just—I mean, he's got nothing going for him. Like the love of his life is gone. So like when he finds out that he's going to do anything to be with the event horizon. That's like his, that's what he's latched onto. That's, that's his baby now at this point. Yep. So it's, yeah, I, uh, it, 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 it is fun to watch that, watch him go off like that. And, you know, the, the ship became, well, the ship I think cost him his wife. Yeah. And I think that is part of why he's so attached to it. And, and then of course there's a whole demonic possession thing but uh yeah it's people just forget how good and dark he can be in it um now we talked you know we talked about some of the the things that influenced this um what it you know let's talk about what what came after it again there was no sequel Mm -hmm. um there was a film came out in 2009 called pandorum which a lot of people consider like a spiritual successor. Uh, again, I don't think it's, I've it's seen that. Uh, Dennis Quaid, Ben Foster. Hmm. Uh, I can't remember the female lead's name off the top of my head. I would have to look it up. Um, but uh, it's another. It's it's another spaceship horror. Um, I enjoyed it. I actually own it. It's in it's in one of the sleeves behind me on my shelf here. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so I'll probably need to go watch that again too. Uh, but you know, it, it's kind of a spiritual successor. I guess it heavily influenced the, the design of Dead Space, the video game. I was, yeah. Uh, again, not something I'm too familiar with. But no, but but I, I remember seeing Dead Space, uh, what the game when it came out. Again, I, I suck at games, so I don't really play them. <laughs> but uh, I, I was I, I knew enough about the title that 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 struck a chord, and I went and looked it up. And yeah, even the guy that designed Dead Space is like, yeah, oh yeah, totally. So um, this is not without 
its impact, even though it didn't necessarily do great at the box office. Like I said, it didn't need to have a sequel. There's no sequel to be had here. No. Um, you know, Hellraiser had one good sequel, and that made sense. And then after that, it just you know went to hell in a handbasket. So uh, this didn't even need one. This is a nice. I, I say perfect little nugget. It, it's not a perfect movie, but it is a, is a perfect little nugget of cinema, of horror cinema that just needs to be left alone. Yeah. And people just need to appreciate it and then move on to whatever's next. Speaking of Hellraiser, I got some Hellraiser 4 Bloodline vibes from this movie. Um, I don't even know when that came out. So Okay. Hellraiser 4 is interesting because it was sketch. I mean, it was conceived as being a three-part movie that would have the lament, the original toy maker putting together the lament configuration back in the medieval times, and then a modern <clears throat> story taking place with the lament c- configuration. And then this is like, you know, you've got the leprechaun in space, you've got Jason X, Jason right. in space. The third story was pinhead in space and right. the, that was the one where like the space station became a huge cube right 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 okay so, Hell, uh, bloodline came out in 96 so it came out the year before so okay all right so i'm so, sure there were some bleed over yeah um and it's one of those things that are like well you took three stories that w- could be fleshed out into 90 minute movies three 90 minute movies were condensed into a movie that's less than an hour and a half Needless to say, Hellraiser 4 is a complete mess. Yeah. Now, a movie that I'm kind of, maybe I'm just way off base on this one, but a movie that I wouldn't be surprised if they took some influence from this is uh, Danny Boyle's Sunshine. Oh, You know, a, a little bit. That wouldn't surprise me. Just um, especially the third act of Sunshine. Yeah, because- no, that's that's... That's not unreasonable. I have that on that shelf over there. Okay. Uh, so I, 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 and I have it so I can go back and watch it again. Uh, I would also argue perhaps there's a little bit of bleed over for the Cloverfield Paradox. You know, I never saw Cloverfield Paradox. Paradox? Oh, it's terrible. 10 Cloverfield Lane is still better. Um, I, but- I, I was going to say just a brief off topic tangent that I, I love doing on this show. I don't particularly care for found footage movies so i wasn't thrilled about cloverfield but i absolutely love 10 cloverfield lane that movie right. is great that so, movie that movie is great it really is um and then i heard nothing but bad stuff about uh paradox yeah yeah so paradox is i think it's slightly better than life which came out around the same time uh, which is a terrible alien ripoff as well. With a so, great cast, though. Great cast and a <laughs> terrible, terrible movie. I remember looking at that cast going, how, who, how, did they owe somebody a favor or something? Like, what are these people? It's such... I, I think everyone in that movie is now owed a favor the, for having actually done that movie. Because, yeah, it's such an unoriginal premise... And if you can't see the twist ending coming, then I don't know. I know. You, it's like you've never had, you've never experienced the, a twist ending that was just like no. so on the nose that. Oh, yeah. 
it's it's ridiculous so but yeah so so yeah so event horizon is kind of bled over uh in yeah. films like that and i think i think that's a good thing i think that's a sign that there are no one no one cribs garbage they only crib your good stuff yep so if you can see film older films in newer material that means there was good stuff there so you can't just completely discount right what has gone before and, uh, and I think, and I think that's why I think that's why Event Horizon has hung around. I mean, besides the fact that the cast is there and it, it's solid performances, yeah, like I said, with with great visuals, um, and just and a great vibe, um, it, that's that's enough. I think that's enough for a horror movie, right? And I don't think I think this is one of the things that we we've brought up a couple times talking about this. I think that one of the reasons that this has such a strong cult following is that there is no sequel to this movie. I think that if you I think that ever this the cult following and love that it that it, it's garnered it, it would at the very least would have been tainted if not at all lost because like you said the only thing I do I I I think there's a I I don't I didn't like the fake out ending um the nightmare ending yeah yeah where he lifts up the hood and it's sam neil i could have done without that but i mean that's that's a mild nitpick and i think that's just paul anderson throwing in kind of uh one more jump scare yeah right exactly there weren't enough jumps there so i had to throw some in i'm just like right at the very end yeah um but i mean i mean it's just that i i don't think that you need anything else and as much as i like watching some of the more bloody gory footage that i've seen online you can i mean if people aren't interested you can google you can find youtube there's it's not the best quality but you could see some of the stuff that was cut out um apparently it was some people were considering it sacrilegious and i mean that, <laughs> i mean that could that goes with you know kind of go i mean if you're watching horror movies at some point in time you're going to see something that's going to offend you no matter what your morals or spirituality might be. But I think that this movie is, a it doesn't overstay its welcome. Like you said, it's nine ninety something minutes. 97. Not It's 93 minutes. I think is what 90, right. 96 minutes. Right. And I can only imagine that. I mean, one of the things that they showed they had test screenings with the 130 minute cut and I could I could see people going like mm, this movie's way way too long well um, it's the length I, I I've I've come to the the uh, realization that the length of a film is irrelevant mm. as long as the film is complete now if that film is complete in 90 minutes that film is complete at 90 minutes if that film is complete in two hours and 20 minutes that that movie's complete in two hours and 20 minutes i can't say it's too long right i can't say it's too short uh so if you give me a complete movie that is what you wanted to make then i'm that's what i want first and foremost give me the movie you wanted to make it i mean i i hate it but Zack snyder got his four hour cut of justice league um do i believe it needs to be four hours no uh (laughs) I, I don't. I believe that is the four-hour cut of the Joss Whedon Justice League. It's literally the exact same film. It's just twice as long. 
Mm. Uh, narratively, it's the exact same film. So, uh, and I, I catch no end of shit for that comment as well. But, but yeah. So if you so at ninety six minutes, yeah, this is it's it's fine. What I love have loved to have seen another ten minutes with a little more of what happened on the ship before they got there. Maybe some of those cut scenes, you know, that that hit the editing room floor. Sure. Mm. Do I need them? No, because mm. they gave me enough to, you know, I I get what happened. Right. So again, that's enough. Now, personal preference. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen more, but I don't need it. I don't yeah. need it to make the movie work. So yeah, therefore, not- I can't I can't complain about it there's no huge glaring plot holes that you're just like, wait, you know, wait, you said something that was referenced. And like you said, I think, I think some of the scenes that I would have liked to have seen were, were more of um, the crew member that was reviewing the log of the event horizon, you know, something like that. Like you were saying, I think that could have been interesting to kind of, yeah. Something like that. Um, but like you said, I think you put you you put it very succinctly. I mean, do we? I mean, it doesn't leave us want. It doesn't leave us going. Eh, you you opened up this these doors and no one's closing them, and you know. So I I think yeah, it's 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 nice. It's very tight. Which I think if I could say anything about uh, Paul Anderson's movies. Uh, I've only seen the first couple of Resident Evil movies. If that, they all seem to kind of bleed together at some point. They but do. But, well, because they, they, they retread a lot as they get later. They literally redo movies. So <laughs> uh, that's, that's one thing that I could say about him is that I, I don't re- recall, unlike someone like Zack Snyder, unloading onto the public a huge bloated movie, even at its worst. Um, this might be an unfair comparison, but I'm going to say it anyway because uh, I can. He's kind of what I would say is, and this is not meant to be a, an, an insult, nor is it really meant to be a compliment. He's very much, to me, a fast food director, which is kind oh, of... Oh, yeah. Like, he's, he's yeah, him, Michael Bay... Yeah. Um, they they give you yeah they're, they're bite sized cotton candy you know popcorn movies right even if you're even if you're getting jump scared into spilling your popcorn it's it's they're still just popcorn movies uh, right. they don't really mean a lot and, and so yeah fast food director that's probably as good a way to put it as any yeah it, I mean it um it just came to me because I was having a conversation on Twitter earlier this week with someone about Abel Ferrara. And I said that Abel Ferrara is kind of like the pizza of directors, in which, which, in which I mean, it's it can be gourmet and it can be delicious, or it could be so-so. But no matter what, no one really complains about pizza. You don't hear a lot of people complaining about pizza, right? So I don't know where I'm going with the food analogies, but for some reason, someone like Paul Anderson very much to me is like. It's okay once a month, uh, but if you're eating fast food every day, it's not good for you. So, so, I mean, and that's the thing, you know. So, that's kind of how I would say, and we've kind of covered why this movie has garnered a cult following. Do you have any final thoughts on Event Horizon? Uh, 
Uh, no, only to, to recommend that, that if you're a horror fan and you haven't seen it yet, uh, it's not, it's not hard to find. I no, I, I want to say it was on HBO max, but I could be wrong about that. But it's definitely, it's easily streamable. Let's, or, let's put it that way. If you're like me, I got, I think this, I got the DVD. It cost they, I, I, I was surprised I didn't have it. It was like when we talked bucks, about this. It was like five bucks on Amazon. Um, it's not. I mean, if you want, you. I think there is a deluxe edition out there. Uh, that that's not something I was interested in. Yeah, you, don't, five, you don't. need no. But the no, ninety-six minutes bucks, is great. I was like, for you know what, I will give five bucks for this. Absolutely. Um, so that I guess that's kind of the way I would recommend it. Um, but yeah, if you can find it streaming, absolutely check it out. Um, it's not bad to revisit either. If this is something that you haven't seen in a while, it holds up surprisingly well. Uh, again, th- that your mileage may vary on that. I happen to be more of a fan of practical effects and models and that kind of stuff. Um, that doesn't bother me as much as, like I said, I'll take those over shoddy CGI any day. So, um, to me, the the movie holds up as a very decent cult sci-fi horror movie. Um, Hundred percent, uh, excellent. Mark, what do you got? Because we're gonna be, I'm gonna be dropping this episode in about a week or two. What have you got coming up on your show? Just so uh, people will know. Man, I'm I actually I'm, I I apologize to everyone out there that actually does listen to us because I have got a stack of stuff that I'm behind on actually posting. Uh, I've got a bunch of small movies coming out. We just recorded last night. We recorded our review of uh, uh, the Bob's Burger Bob's Burgers movie, which comes out next week. Well, this week when you release this, yeah. uh, Downton Abbey comes out tomorrow or last week for the people that are listening to this. Uh, but <laughs> Top Gun is coming out. We got to see that. Uh, and and talk about that, you know, Disney Plus. God help them has, has rebooted Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers. Uh, that unfortunately we need to talk about. Uh, but uh, next weekend, a Memorial Day weekend, whenever that is for all of you listening, I will actually be in Los Angeles, uh, attending and covering Star Wars Celebration Sweet. in Anaheim. So and going to Disneyland because we're right there. So. Uh, so yes, you should, uh, if you follow us on Twitter at VS Movie Podcast, you should see me tweeting a bunch of stuff, uh, a bunch of Star Wars people from the event, maybe some pics from Disneyland as well, uh, talking about what uh, what Disney's got coming or what Star Wars has coming up uh, as we do. And of course, let us not forget. Speaking of Star Wars, that Kenobi is on our doorstep if you're a Disney Plus person. So uh, we're looking forward to that one, talking about that as well. So lots of good stuff coming up. Um, the links to Mark's Twitter and website will be in the episode description. Thank you so much for joining me once again on the Cult Film Companion. Mark, thank you so much for joining me to talk about this little horror sci-fi nugget event horizon. Actually, I, I, something I will mention, this is probably my personal favorite Paul W.S. Anderson movie. How would you uh, rank this, Mark, as far as his, the rest of his filmography goes you know it's it's overall it's definitely one of his better one of his better films right. uh, that he's directed I, I like I said I liked the early evil dead or evil deads I like the early resident evils mm-hmm. um, AV pre, AVP was just not good um, he also did direct a movie ironically enough uh, another sci-fi film called soldier 
Which, he did the Kurt Russell he, movie? Yes. Okay. Which, right. as it turns out, is mostly considered to be an offshoot of the Blade Runner universe. Yeah, I've heard that. So um, if you haven't seen Soldier with Kurt Russell, uh, another Paul W.S. Anderson. Well, we, uh, might have, we might have to revisit that one because I forgot. Check that, that one out. Was- that one I do own. And if you want to talk about it, I will rewatch it. Um, uh, also has Jason Scott Lee from uh, Dragon. Played okay, Brazil. all right. So, uh, but no, it's that. That's just no. But yeah, he directed. But I like Soldier too. So these are probably between between Soldier, Event Horizon, and the first Resident Evil. Those are probably my favorites of his. Yeah, I was gonna. I, I forgot about Soldier. That movie's yeah. That movie's badass. So that's I, up there. I still I do have a soft spot in my heart for Mortal Kombat. For the fir- well, it, it, yeah, but only for what it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it, compared to what came after it, um, it's fine. But I remember, like, one of the things about going to the movie theater was playing the video games with my friends before we actually saw the movie. And I right. can remember pumping, I don't know how many quarters into the Mortal Kombat <clears throat> machine. Um, and then for t- to be a PG-13 Mortal Kombat movie, you know, for what it was... It's fine. I mean, like I said, it, again, uh, Soldier, I would say, is a bit a step up from fast food director, though. But other than that, yeah. just by my analogy. But, um, yeah, recommendation. If you haven't checked out Soldier, underrated Kurt Russell movie and underrated Paul W.S. Anderson movie. So Yeah, it often gets lost in the shuffle. Yeah, for um, whatever reason, but um, yeah, that's a badass movie. So it came, out, to- it came out a year later. It's a that's from ninety eight. Okay. So, All right. yeah, I, that 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 that'll be my final thought. <laughs> All right, no, that's a, we we can't end on a better better uh, note than that. So thank you all again for joining uh, us on the Cold Film Companion Podcast. We'll talk to you again real soon. Good night, all.